people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. You know, today is a very serious topic that everybody needs to consider when they're on dialysis because I think peritoneal dialysis, home hemodialysis, doesn't always get the attention it should get. Uh, I was on peritoneal dialysis from age 12 to 23 and was actually one of the first children who ever went on peritoneal dialysis in Southern California. And I can say that peritoneal dialysis really made a difference in my life. It is a great option. Today, we're here with Stephanie Kurd. She's been a nephrology nurse for over 15 years, and she works for Fresenius Medical Care. And she's going to help educate us about some of the things you need to consider if you're thinking about doing peritoneal dialysis as a treatment option. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show. Great. Thanks for having me, Lori. So, Stephanie, I know you're a big advocate of peritoneal dialysis, and so can you tell us a little bit about what PD is? Sure. Um, PD is a way to receive therapy for renal replacement, and it works by having a catheter placed in your abdominal cavity. And the the body's pretty interesting. It has a a backup kidney, if you will. Everyone's... um, abdominal cavity is lined with a lining called the peritoneal lining. And that peritoneal lining, when we put fluid in through a catheter, that lining actually helps facilitate the excess chemicals and fluid that your body's not getting rid of. Through that membrane, it goes into that fluid, and then we wash that fluid away. So basically when it's like when you put fluid in, and I guess there's usually like one to two liters you put into the peritoneal cavity through this catheter, it sits there and this fluid sits up and next to the peritoneum that's full of like little blood vessels. And the blood vessels, basically um, the salt and potassium and all the bad stuff, shift over into the peritoneum cavity, correct? Correct. If you think of it kind of like a tea bag. Yeah, like a tea bag. Absolutely. And, and then when you drain it out, that bad uh, material comes out, and that's how it works. Yep, absolutely. The chemicals and the fluid that so, don't get rid of get washed away with the fluid that we put in. So there are two types of peritoneal dialysis. There's CAPD and CCPD, and can you explain the difference? Sure. Um, CAPD stands for Continuous Ambulatory Peritoneal Dialysis, and that means that it's done without a machine. And then there's also CCPD, which is continuous cycling peritoneal dialysis, or you might hear it called APD, automated peritoneal dialysis. And what that means is that's um, a way to put the fluid in and out of the body using a machine. And you just do this at night, right? So one of them is you do them at night, and one you do exchanges during the day. Yeah, um, and actually the neat thing about PD is you're actually getting dialysis. Most people get dialysis 24 hours a day, so even though... You might connect to the machine or the cycler at night, 
there'll be fluid in you during the day, so you're still getting dialysis during the day even though you're not connected to it. Well, when I was on PD, it was always interesting to me because when I would, you know, I carried two liters at a time and I was pretty small and it worked really well on me. But when I would drain the fluid, it actually looked like urine when it came out out of my system. It went in very clear and then when I drained it out two or three hours later, it actually, uh, you know, looked just like urine. So it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, and another thing people um, find pretty interesting is you might put two liters in but when you take it out, you might get, let's say, 2,800 out. And so it pulls fluid. Fluid <laughs> aren't getting rid of is actually coming out with that fluid. Well, when I was on PD, and I don't know if this is for everyone, but I wasn't as restricted on fluid because that it works so well for me. And I know that's an individual thing with many patients, but uh, the fact that I could change the solution, because there's different solutions you put in, right? Correct. There's three different strengths. The higher the strength, the more fluid it's going to pull out of your body. And that I think there's the 1.5, 2.5, and 4.25. And yeah, I, I remember, it was only 21 years ago, but I remember. <laughs> Is it, yeah. And it was, it was interesting because I would always use a 1.5 or 2.5 and that if I drank a little bit more fluid. And it was very rare that I ever used a 4.25, which would basically suck every ounce of fluid off of me. <laughs> yep. And you're exactly right. Some patients the majority of the patients, if you're currently a hemodialysis patient, most patients do have a more liberal fluid and diet um, than you do when you're in center because when you're in center, if you only do dialysis three times a week, that's the only time your body's getting rid of that. So with PD, because it happens 24 hours a day, most patients, not all, but most patients um, do have a lot more liberal diet, especially potassium. Um, yeah, potassium. A lot more flexibility with yeah, I remember not being as limited on potassium as when I was on hemo. I was much more limited. So I never had much discomfort with it. You know, I got used to the fluid being in me. But do you find that most patients find it uh, uncomfortable? You know, I think most patients at the beginning can feel the fluid. They, they quote-unquote, say they feel full. But, like, if you gain weight or if you're a woman having a baby, you get used to that feeling. So once... Once you're kind of acclimated to it, it does go away. Well, and I, one of the things, um, and, and I don't know if patients still do this, but if it was really a hot day, I put the bag in me, make it a little bit cooler. And then if it was a really a cold day, I would make it a little bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, we have temperature ranges that we keep it um, within. Most people do it just say room temperature um, or put it on a heating pad. Most patients like it to be a little bit warm. Have you ever found that patients put it in their dash when they're driving around? I have heard of that. We don't want <laughs> patients to do exchanges in the car, but to warm it, I have heard of that one. Oh, okay. Well. I would be in trouble if I was your patient then. <laughs> well, there's ways to do it, but we always want to make sure that we're doing it in the best location possible. Well, and it's because of the risk um, of infection. Can you talk a little bit about infection and the risk of getting peritonitis? Yes. Um, a lot of patients, when they look at um, doing peritoneal dialysis or PD, they get nervous because they hear of an infection called peritonitis. And what the peritonitis is, it's an infection of that peritoneal lining that we talked about. And although it is a very serious infection, we, of course, never want any patient to have any kind of infection. We certainly don't want um, our PD patients, like every patient, to have um, an infection. It is treatable with antibiotics, and I think the thing that it's important for patients to be aware of is it's very avoidable. 
when you come to PD, you are not on your own. You have, um, no matter where you do PD, with whatever company you choose, you're going to have a big support team behind you. And one of the major players is your nurse. And they are going to take the time to train you to do PD, keeping in mind lots of different ways to prevent infection. So I think sometimes people get worried about, oh, I don't want to do PD at home because I might get an infection. But really, the steps to prevent peritonitis are very easy. We have people that can barely read or write that do really good on PD um, because it's simple things. Doing your exchanges the way your nurse teaches you, and they're not going to let you go home if they're not comfortable that you can do it. No nurse is going to send you home if they're not comfortable you're going to do it safely. And to do it safely, to avoid infection, really it's wearing a mask, washing your hands thoroughly, doing it in a room with a door that you can close and that has windows that close. And the room needs to be clean. It doesn't need to be a sterile operating room. People don't live like that. Uh, but your nurse will come to your house, give you some pointers on where to do it best, and you know if you have any issues that they think are going to put you at risk for infection, they'll point those out and help you get those cleared up. So it's really the, the main thing that you hear for a complication of PD, because honestly, PD doesn't have very many complications, so that's the one that you hear about, but very avoidable. The key is just making sure that, you're, that you do the treatment the way that you're taught each time, and we have people that go years without ever having an infection. Well, when I was on for nine years, I had a couple of infections, and it, I was in the beginning stages, too. They don't have all the fancy connections, and uh, basically you had an IV spike when I started. But, you know, um, it, it is painful, but, you know, they treat you with antibiotics and medication, and then it went away. And, you know, having experienced hemo, and I just seem to do better on PD. And so despite all the infection, and you can get infection on hemo too. I mean, it's not, it's, it, it, there's nowhere that you can totally avoid an infection. So, um, but yeah, it's painful, but you know, you can get over it. And obviously I probably didn't have really serious infections because um, I guess there's some strains out there that are more difficult to get rid of. Right. And I think that, you know, your comment that you made of <clears throat> when you started, um, X amount of years ago, um, <laughs> technology was a little different, too. We've learned a lot, and the technology that's available now um, really lends a lot to prevent infection. We have ends of tubing that are soaked in betadine to make sure that if there happened to be anything that got in there, that betadine would kill that. There's a mechanism that um, flushes the tubing line, so if there's any bacteria, it would get flushed away from you. Lots of things have been done to, to prevent this. So it shouldn't be the expectation that you will get an infection. The expectation really should be that you won't get an infection and that your nurse is going to do everything possible to make sure that you avoid that. But I think the benefits of PD far outweigh the risk of that infection. Now, can you take a shower? I mean, of course, you know, this is basically, uh, I, I always took a shower, so I, I don't want to give medical advice. I want to ask the nurse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the PD catheter is pretty cool, and once it's inserted, for people who have not seen a PD catheter, if you kind of would put your hand on your hip and your finger on your belly button and draw a diagonal line, it would go probably right in the middle of that line, so it goes in the lower part of your um, abdomen. Once it's healed, most patients don't even have to wear a dressing. There's a specific material on the PD catheter that your skin will actually adhere to, so it actually becomes part of you. So you don't have to worry about it falling out. 
And once it's healed, as long as your doctor says it's okay, which once it's healed, most doctors do, you can take a shower. And we actually encourage patients to take showers with it. Most physicians will let you go swimming in a private chlorinated pool or the ocean. We just don't want patients to swim in a lake, which um, if anyone's ever went swimming in a lake, you'll probably know why. Not anywhere where there's not fresh water. We also would like the patients to avoid bathtubs because we don't want the catheter submerged underwater, but it's fine to have running water on it. And a jacuzzi is not a good idea, right? <laughs> no, uh, mainly just, I mean, you can maybe sit on the edge and put your feet in, but really for lots of different reasons, the heat and not being able to, you know, really determine what's going on in that jacuzzi. You hear a lot about problems with jacuzzis just with regular population, not patients on PD, so... Well, I well, I successfully played water volleyball for many years with a PD catheter. <laughs> it was pretty private. Yeah, it was very quiet. Most physicians would say that's okay. I always made sure that I could see the drain in the pool, that it was extremely clear. Yep. And that the the pool had good maintenance. So um, yeah, that was that was very fun. It kept me, you know, in shape. And I think, you know, one of the benefits of doing dialysis at home is really striving to have a more, quote-unquote, normal lifestyle or the same lifestyle you had before dialysis came on. It's work to do it at home, but you have a lot more flexibility and a lot more ability to call the shots and do things on your schedule and do some of those types of things. Well, one of the comments I hear, too, from people who choose not to go on PD that are candidates is that, you know, they don't want to deal with the body image issues. And for me, I mean, you know, I guess it actually prevents you from having a tiny waist (laughs) Um, because you carry the fluid in. But I never felt like it made my appearance abnormal. Um, do you find that from with some of your patients that they just have a really hard time after they've gone on? You know, I think everyone's different. I think that um, everything takes a long time to get used to. I mean, if you have a cast on your arm the first few weeks, it's really hard to get used to that. Then you kind of start to forget that it's there. And I think the same thing is with the PD catheter. It is altering your body, but fortunately, um, to do dialysis, we have to have some way to do the treatments, whether that's hemo with a catheter, which is the absolute worst access to have. We don't want anybody to have a hemo catheter that can avoid it. Or a fistula, you know, that changes the appearance of your arms. A PD catheter can be well hidden. I actually live in South Carolina and went to Myrtle Beach one weekend and was standing on the elevator next to a woman in a swimsuit, her and her friends, and they were talking about meeting up later, and one of the women said, well, I have to do my exchange, and then I'll be right down. And I thought, ooh, interesting. So I kind of glanced down, and I had not noticed it, even being a PD nurse, but um, very discreetly under her swimming suit, you could tell she had just a little bump, and that was her catheter coiled up. Yeah, that's a... Somebody who's acutely aware of people with PD catheters was standing next to somebody, and I didn't recognize it. Well, they have so many great swimming suits now. They just about hide everything. <laughs> you know, you have issues with it, but again, it's um, if you're living your life and doing what you love to do, it's uh, that's the ultimate goal. Well, it definitely doesn't define you. 
Exactly. Um, I actually remember when I, you know, because, you know, I was age 13, uh, 14, I went on and then, you know, into my early 20s. And I remember distinctively one time at about 18 years old, uh, there was a commercial on TV and it was a woman playing volleyball on the beach and she had a two-piece swimming suit. And for just a split second, I'm like, where's her catheter? <laughs> Which I'm like, wait a second, this isn't normal. She had it well hidden. I know she had it well hidden, exactly. <laughs> Uh, how long does training take for uh, peritoneal dialysis? PD is actually pretty easy to learn. The majority of the people actually pick up on it in just a couple of days. Every center will be different, but most centers will train the patient for at least a week and then may have the patient come back one day a week for the next few weeks just to make sure they have the therapy down, don't have any questions, they're really comfortable. Um, and they'll go over everything from A to Z, how to wash your hands, how to order supplies, because supplies are delivered directly to your house, how to contact a nurse on call after hours if there's questions, how to make a right connection, how to pick the fluid, anything that you would possibly need to know, they'll make sure to go over. So we, we don't want to overwhelm anybody, so we do try to spread that training out to give it in smaller pieces and to make sure everyone's really comfortable with what they're doing before we move on to the next step. So, which leads me to another question about storage. Uh, one of the issues with PD is you have to have supplies. So, how much room does somebody have to have to be able to store these supplies? It varies on how much fluid that you're going to use, how much your doctor prescribes for you, sort of like how many pills you take. We prescribe how much dialysis you do. So I usually tell people it's the equivalent of maybe moving in a small desk into your house. I think um, patients are very creative on how they store their supplies. The, the bulk of the supplies is the fluid itself, and it's usually about 30 cases of solution. Again, that'll vary by patient. But no matter what center you would go to, the staff is very accommodating. They'll come out to your house. They'll look around, help you figure out where it could best be stored. We prefer that it's stored inside in a temperature-controlled area. But in different parts of the country, we might be a little bit more flexible with that. It does need to be in a covered area for sure. Most patients get a delivery once a month, so we can be a little bit flexible with that. If your space is really limited, um, we can work with the supplier and maybe have more frequent delivery. Yeah, I stored, um, I, I lived in Southern California, so I had a shed outside a one-bedroom studio apartment that I had outside, and, and all the supplies fit in there nicely. And what was, was neat, when they d deliver the supplies, the person who's delivering them puts them where they need to be. Is that correct? Because, you know, patients are like, well, how can I move these supplies? And I'm like, well, they put them where you need them. Absolutely. The driver will bring them right into your house. And the other thing that the drivers will do is they'll take your oldest stock that's on the bottom and move that to the top so you're not worried about anything expiring you're always keeping your newest stuff on the bottom so very flexible with the supplies well, one of the things that um, I experienced and I, I really enjoyed that gave me some freedom with PD, and you can also travel with HEMO as well, you just have to coordinate with the center, is picking up and going where you want, when you want to. And one of the benefits is, is wherever you're going, if it's more than like a day or two, the company will drop ship the supplies there. Is that correct? Yeah, as long as we have some notice, there's um, a couple different supply companies, but they all pretty much work the same. As long as we have notice of where you're going, we can ship a machine out ahead of you and have your supplies ready for you when you get there. If you're going just on a weekend trip, you can also, um, the cyclers vary 
easy to travel with. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe the size of a good reference is maybe a computer, something that, you know, is not the feather light, but doesn't weigh that much that you could easily put in the trunk of your car or the back seat, put some cases of solution with you, and take your mask and your soap, and you're ready to go. Head off to Vegas for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> Well, one of the advantages of, of peritoneal, and I know some patients on home hemo, uh, you don't really need a partner, correct? You can do it on your own. And I did it, I lived alone and did PD for six years. So uh, it, it, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's not, it's not. And, and actually, probably since the time that you've done it, it's probably gotten even easier with the um, new products that are out. So most centers don't require that you do have a partner. The only time that um, anybody would need a partner is if for whatever reason you couldn't do the dialysis yourself on a routine basis. If you get sick or something, too. It's nice to have a backup person if you just don't feel well. Exactly. It's always nice to have somebody that could pitch head if you needed to. But um, as a general rule, no, we don't um, require a partner for PD, and that opens PD up to a lot of different people. I've actually had um, patients of all ages, too. We have um, patients as young as a few weeks old to um, I've personally trained somebody that was 92. Oh, wow. All, all ages and varieties do well on. Well, one of the things with PD, too, just like to walk through the treatment schedule, is that if you're on CAPD, you would probably do four or five exchanges a day, and you would spread that out, like, um, every three or four hours. Yeah. So what would happen is when you would wake up in the morning, you would have fluid that had been left in you from the night before when you did an exchange before you went to bed. So the first thing that happens when you do an exchange is you drain that um, fluid out and then you put new fluid in. So you're always exchanging that fluid, which is why we call it an exchange. And then I think something that um, patients don't always understand, if you see a picture of somebody doing PD, you'll see um, a bag of fluid usually hanging on the IV pole, is that once that new fluid has went in, you disconnect from that tubing tuck your catheter back in your clothes, and then you go about your business. So the fluid is still in you, but you're not attached to anything. So that dialysis will be taking place that whole time that fluid's in you while you're at the grocery store or watching TV or cleaning your house, whatever you're going to do, even though you're not connected to anything. And then about, you know, four or five hours later, we would have you connect back up to a new set, drain out that fluid, put new fluid in, and then again, disconnect and go do what you want to do until it's time to do the next one. And I found that that process took about 20 to 30 minutes. That's right. By the time you get your supplies, wash your hands, make the connection, the fluid drains out, and then the new fluid goes in, that sounds just about right. And it's done with gravity, so you don't need a machine. (laughs) Well, you talked about travel, too. Sometimes when patients use the machine, when they travel, they choose to do manual so they don't have to take the machine with them, even though it does travel very easily. Yeah, that's why I actually prefer the cycler at night, but I did exactly what you said. I would switch to CAPD when I traveled, if unless it was some place that I had to be and it was easy to take the machine, but it was on only on a rare occasion. Yep. So with the cycler at night, basically you have fluid during the day, and then you get on the machine about 10 hours at night. Is that correct? Yep. And that's part of your prescription is how long you stay on. So a lot of people think, oh, 10 hours. Why would I do 10 hours of PD every day when I could do, 
you know, maybe hemodialysis for only three hours, three times a week. And there's there's a lot of benefits to PD. Um, one that we've talked about is being able to have flexibility. And two, like you said, because you have fluid in all day and then at night, you're getting dialysis 24 hours a day, whereas in center you're only getting dialysis while you're on the machine. So it does offer a lot of flexibility, and sometimes patients say that they feel better on PD. Some patients on um, conventional hemodialysis kind of feel washed out after their treatments, but PD doesn't really have that that feeling for most people. They just feel more like they did before they were on dialysis because that dialysis happening 24 hours a day. Well, and I had a pretty small apartment when I was on the cycler, so I would actually get on the machine and then I could watch videos with my friends. It's not as invasive as blood circulating out of, you know, a lot of blood circulating out of your body and the risk of becoming hypotensive uh, because it's such a slow process. One of the things that I've seen in the literature, and maybe you could talk a little bit about this, is that people who go on PD when they uh, first start dialysis, they can preserve their existing kidney function a little bit. Yeah, and that's really important that people understand it. So if you're new to dialysis and you're still making urine, even though you may not be making enough to keep you healthy, so your doctor wanted you to um, start dialysis, anytime your kidneys can continue to work, it's a benefit to you. Because the kidneys do a lot of other things just besides, as we know, removing fluid and chemicals. They help control blood pressure. They help control um, the production of red blood cells. So if we can keep those kidneys working even a little bit, that's a benefit to you. And there's been um, a lot of research done saying that um, peritoneal dialysis helps keep that residual renal function longer than going on conventional hemo. So that's definitely a consideration that patients should talk to their doctors about. You know, in my mind's eye, I think that every patient should start on PD, even if they don't want to do it long term because of that residual renal function. I think that's really important. And also, um, in hemodialysis, a lot of times people have trouble with their access because that's a blood access and they can clot and have issues with that. So even if you do PD for, let's say, the first two years, you get the benefit of having the residual renal function, and you've saved your um, veins in case you want to do hemo later. You can switch back and forth between modalities. Well, that's one of the things I think people don't understand. Like, if you're on hemo right now and you're listening to the show and you want to try PD, of course, you have to be a candidate. Um, There's, I guess, some criteria for some patients that aren't good candidates. If you change your mind, you can go back. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it does require surgery to get a catheter, so it's a very, you know, thought-provoking thing, of course, that everyone would need to consider and talk to their physician about. But absolutely, I'm not a big fan of saying, you know, what modality are you? It's what modality is best for you right now. Right. It might be, I mean, you're a great example. You've done PD, you've done... I've done them all. (laughs) Home hemo, transplant, all of them. (laughs) for people to realize because I think sometimes if you go to a class or something and you think, gosh, I really would like to do dialysis at home, but then you, when it comes time to do dialysis, for whatever reason, maybe you decide, you know, I'm kind of scared. I think I'll just go in center. That way I have some nurses, you know, that'll be with me the whole time. That's fine, but if you're on in center for a while and you think, you know what, maybe I should have did home, you're not locked into in center. You right. 
go home, and the same thing if you go home and you decide, you know what, this just isn't for me, then go back to in-center. It's what modality is best for you now. Well, once we get trained, uh, I used to have to go to the clinic for labs and, you know, bring in all my paperwork because you have to monitor yourself. You have to take your weight, blood pressure. You have to write all this down. Uh, I only had to go once a month. Has anything changed? Nope, that's pretty routine. Some centers have you come twice a month because we'll have you come maybe, let's say, at the beginning of the month to have your labs drawn. And that's kind of your one-on-one time with your nurse to talk about how your treatments are going, do you need any supplies, you know, whatever might be going on. And then the next time during the month, um, a lot of centers will have your physician there. So he or she's reviewing the labs that were just drawn a few days earlier and, you know, doing any prescription changes at that time or refills or whatever you might need. So it kind of varies um, on geography and the individual centers, but I would say definitely not more than twice a month. Well, you know, and the benefits, I mean, for me, the benefits were flexible schedule, uh, could eat more liberally, and then more importantly, there were no needles involved. Right. <laughs> that was the biggest thing. I mean, no needles were involved in the process, which, as you said, we need to preserve our veins. And when every time you're stuck or you're uh, manipulating your arm for an access, you're losing potential access in the future. Yeah, and the good thing about a PD catheter um, is if you have a PD catheter put in and it works from the beginning, usually they don't need any additional maintenance. Right. Whereas sometimes in-center you have to, or I shouldn't say in-center, hemodialysis, whether you do it at home or in-center, um, tends to, to struggle with accesses for some people. Um, PD, because it's not a blood access, um, it's much easier to obtain. I just wanted to go back to, we had started talking about being on the cycler for 10 hours, and we kind of didn't finish that. I think it's important for people to realize that they don't have to be flat in bed and quarantined. <laughs> right. Or eight hours or 12 hours, whatever your doctor would prescribe. Once that connection's made to the cycler, that's a closed system. So, you know, you can have people in the room. Your spouse can stay in your room with you. Some people... Um, think that their spouse has to move to a different room. They absolutely don't. Um, You can watch TV. I mean, I've had people that have um, cleaned their bedroom while they were connected, or I had a a mom that would do her dishes at that point. She had her cycler out in the living room. So you are not confined to bed for 10 hours. Well, when I had my cycler, I had an extension from the machine to the cycler so I could roll that wherever I wanted. And then you had another 10 to 12 feet from the machine. So it's not like a conventional hemodialysis machine where you really can't walk further than a couple of feet. Right, and patients get worried, too. They say, well, if I'm at night, you know, I roll around at night a lot, and I might, you know, be restricted, and I can't stay on one side of the bed. The tubing's pretty long, so you you have you do have the flexibility. A lot of patients, um, you know, depending on where their bathroom is, even can reach the bathroom at night without having to disconnect. So the tubing is is long enough for you not to be, you know, quote-unquote confined to the cycler. Well, I have two final questions, and the first question is, is that some people aren't a candidate after a while because they've been on PD for so many years. Can you explain what happens? I guess the peritoneum becomes scarred? It can. The, um, the, everyone's peritoneum kind of works differently. So the staff will do um, testing, adequacy testing, usually every quarter 
during the year to make sure that you're still getting good dialysis. Some people, if they've been on PD for a long time, that membrane kind of starts to change and it might not filter as well as it used to. There's different studies out that um, kind of depends on why those changes are taking place that say if you go back to hemodialysis for a period of time and rest that membrane that you can come back to PD later, that that membrane will start to work better. Of course, if anytime you get an infection, whether that's you know a cut on your knee or if it's a, a peritonitis, there will be some scarring that takes place. And anytime there's scarring, that'll kind of prohibit that filtering process yeah. to take place. Um, but we have people that have been on PD for 20 years. Oh, wow. I think it's not, you know, it's definitely not the expectation that it's a short-term therapy. It's also a really great therapy if you, as a bridge to transplant. So, um, you know, there, there can be reasons why patients come off, but we really find every way to keep patients on that want to stay on. Yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, I have to say, honestly, if I has, wasn't on PD for nine years, I probably wouldn't be here today because I just did not have the vascular access to support hemo. And, and that was the reality, as little, little veins, you know. So it, it is something to really consider for people that may be at risk for that. Uh, my last question is, and this is a serious question, because I hear it quite frequently for patients, that their doctor never told them about this option. Uh, what do patients do if the doctor has not mentioned this option to them? You know, my advice is always to be your own advocate, and you are a perfect example of that. If your doctor has not talked to you about PD, you talk to your doctor about PD. You find resources within your community. Not every center offers PD, but there is a center near you that offers PD. A lot of physicians, I think, maybe just routinely prescribe hemodialysis. That's what they're used to. PD is definitely not new. It's not something that doctors are unaware of. I think doctors have different comfort levels with different therapies. If you've not been told about PD, that's actually part of the federal regulations that all patients are informed of all their modality choices. So ask your, um, if you're already a, a dialysis patient, ask your center staff about PD, ask your doctor. Um, there's lots of websites. If you just Google peritoneal dialysis, you'll get lots of references for you. Um, Companies offer different things. I know Fresenius offers a program called the Treatment Options Program. You can find that online. Um, there's free classes that you can come and learn about all the modalities, PD being one of them. Well, and that's, you know, we do have to know our own options. And interestingly enough, on our Hope Line, our 800 toll-free number that patients can call and talk to other patients, uh, there's been several patients that have called lately and say, you know, I want to talk to somebody who's been on PD. So we have a lot of members in our organization that have either been on PD or are on PD. And so we just take their number and we have a patient call them. And, you know, because it is, it's like you can listen to this show, but you really have your own questions and want to get that comfort level up before you take the step so and I think that that's a, a great avenue for people that um, want to know is to, to talk to another patient I would caution people though some patients that have been on PD in the past might give a negative reflection of PD that oh you know I had an infection it was terrible and I would challenge you if you if you meet a patient like that to ask them a few questions did you do your exchanges always the way that you were supposed to did you go to all of your appointments? Because 
just like any therapy, you know, a drug's not going to work if you don't take it correctly. And right. It's not going to work if you don't do it correctly either. So there are a few patients that may hear a horror story, but you might hear the same horror story about doing in-center hemodialysis. If you don't stick to your diet, you don't stick to your fluid, you're going to feel worse after your therapy than if you do things the way that um, you're recommended to. So talking to a patient that actually does PD at home, I think, is great. Learn how they work it into their day, how they get their supplies. Wonderful. Well, Stephanie, I've known you for many years and had a chance to interact with you. And I think any patients that are in your um, service that are, you know, having the opportunity to learn from you are very lucky because you are always so compassionate and thoughtful about how you present things. And patients are lucky to have you. Oh, and they're lucky to have you too, Laura. You've been an inspiration to me more than you'll know. Well, thank you very much, Stephanie. And uh, we'll, we'll spread the word about, you know, patients knowing about PD. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely, thank you. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 